0: Owning a small business can be overwhelming. How can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. There's so many places to reach customers. Email, text messages, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, live events. The list goes on. How are you, as the business owner, expected to own all of those channels? That's where Constant Contact comes in to help. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. I use this to grow my email list and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at constantcontact.com. Just go to constantcontact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. Constantcontact.com. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to slash blue wire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydehealing.comslash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website.
1: Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. This podcast was scheduled to take place in Mexico City, but due to poor podcasting conditions, we are coming to you from our usual locations, John in New Jersey and me in Pennsylvania. It just wasn't worth the risk of injury to our vocal cords.
2: Did we make the smart decision, John? Oh, absolutely, Eric. Uh Frankly, I uh, hate to admit it, but I was getting a little nervous about an incident in Tijuana back in the carefree 80s that I, I chalked up to an innocent misunderstanding. But the federality who chased me over the border saw it a little differently. So I've been back to that country since, and, and maybe that's a smart play for me anyway.
1: <laughs> this uh, this sounds like the, your story about the Las Vegas elevator a, a, a few episodes ago. This sounds uh, probably significantly seedier than that. We probably shouldn't go into all the details. It'll, be,
2: it'll, all be in, it'll all be in the memoir eventually. <laughs>
1: okay, good. So thank you to everybody out there for joining us for episode number 15 of gamble on you can find any of our previous 14 episodes on soundcloud or on itunes or the apple podcast app and you know the drill by now people subscribe rate review
2: and yeah, eric coming up a little later on the podcast we'll be speaking with the brand new chief innovation officer for australian bookmaker PointsBet, is uh, seth young uh, PointsBet bet is expanding into the u.s market in new jersey so there's a lot to talk about with seth but first we have all sorts of news to cover so let's start the show
0: here's your gamble on news of the week an inside look at the biggest
2: stories in the world of gambling
1: note before we get into our top three news stories of the week that the October New Jersey Revenue Report will be out by the time you hear this. We had to record just prior to the news breaking, so you know the numbers. We don't as of this recording, but we will discuss those numbers on next week's pod. And we won't be making any predictions this time, uh, given how well that turned out uh, last month when we tried that. Amen. Um, <laughs> but uh, speaking of New Jersey revenue numbers, our first story this week is about the company that, uh, at least as of September's numbers, had been the leader in the New Jersey online sports betting space. That company, of course, is DraftKings. The DFS giant finally added to its digital empire with land-based sports sportsbooks. Uh, two of them, both announced this week. DraftKings plans to open a sports book in Mississippi at the Scarlet Pearl River Casino Resort this Friday. Uh, which is tomorrow, as of our recording. Uh, And they'll finally have a brick-and-mortar book in New Jersey. DraftKings Sportsbook at Resorts in Atlantic City is expected to open by the end of November. So it took a little while, but DK is going to be a player in the live sportsbook space. What does this news tell us, John, if anything, about DraftKings' plans and their likelihood of being a dominant national force in sports betting?
2: Yes, Eric, this is just another example. I mean, DraftKings and FanDuel, both uh, in the Daily Fantasy space, uh, continue to blaze such big trails in uh, really just U.S. sports betting expansion overall. Uh, I wrote this week on usbets.com about the Mississippi story, and how both already have their own set of notches on the bedpost, so to speak, um, and now here's one more. Uh, their large database of Daily Fantasy sports players seems to track perhaps even more directly to sports betting than casinos have with their poker slots and blackjack player uh, directories. Um, so uh, neither DraftKings North FanDuel is going to slow up anytime soon, I don't think.
1: Yeah. Uh, And and we also know uh, DraftKings is making inroads in Nevada. um, And I'll put out a quick tease here uh, that we're planning to have a guest on the podcast next week, our Thanksgiving week pod, uh, who can shed some light on that. Um, But I do think um, although their actual online sportsbook and specifically their lines uh, could use a little work still, uh, DraftKings has shown – really strong business instincts throughout this. Uh, There's every reason to believe that they can be the number one name in online sports betting in the U S when the dust settles or kind of a one a one B situation with DraftKings and FanDuel. Um, I, I think the brick and mortar aspect is relatively insignificant in terms of where the money is going to come from uh, as this market matures. But it's about branding. It's about setting up shop in different states. Um, They're putting their competitors, whether it's a a U.S. brand like Caesars or MGM or a British brand like William Hill, they're putting them on the back foot. and, uh, and, And so far, what they're doing is working.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I think it, I think it's smart too. I I think that having have an incentive of a, of a brick and mortar uh, from the the online space is is a uh, is is a bonus. You know, you you can right. set up incentives so that you know go for a, a long weekend, that kind of a thing. I, I think it's just a it's a value added. The money isn't online, but I think uh, the brick and mortar is is a good secondary piece.
1: Agree. Okay, moving on to story number two. Uh, Yesterday, November 14th, marked six months since the Supreme Court overturned PASPA. Uh, That, of course, happened on May 14th. Uh, This isn't a traditional news story like the ones we usually cover on the podcast. It's an anniversary of a news story. There's no breaking news here, but uh, I wrote on usbets.com about the five biggest surprises of the rollout over the first six months, uh, and there was an adorable picture of a surprised owl illustrating the piece. So I implore our listeners to check that out. Um, Anyway, uh, some of the surprises that I touched on were New Mexico coming aboard, uh, most states being slow to move on online betting, uh, and the dominance uh, of DraftKings and FanDuel. Uh, What do you see as the biggest sports betting industry surprise of the last six months, John?
2: yeah i have to go with the lack of online sports betting in most of the pioneering states outside mm-hmm. of new jersey um you know obviously these october online numbers in new jersey are going to be huge and i think that will start a little bit of a groundswell elsewhere as they realize whoa what are we leaving on the table but uh these states are throwing away big money every month by not offering this option uh, you know i always say i respect the culture of utah and hawaii uh, both beautiful states i've been fortunate enough to visit and uh, uh their culture is they don't they don't go for gambling, and, and that's fine. But mm-hmm. if a state legalizes sports betting and they want to be in on the game, then, you know, legalize it across the board, and obviously uh, you want to have it online. Um, it, it's it's just curious uh, they would do that. The other one is, is New York State. Um, yeah, they only had about six weeks in their legislative session after the court ruling to, to get something done in New York. That maybe was a little unrealistic, but uh, I see no sign of life whatsoever uh, even going into next spring uh, that they're going to legalize. And it doesn't mean they won't do it, but uh, there really doesn't seem to be any legislative uh, uh, impetus there to, to try and get going. And uh, the Meadowlands is uh, eating their lunch and will continue to do so for months.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you touched on, on New York State and uh, what the near future might hold, because I, I also at the end of the article wrote about you know what the next six months uh, might hold, what we might be talking about uh, by the time of the one year anniversary uh, of the Supreme Court's ruling. Uh, so I'm going to spring an over under question on you without warning. Uh, you haven't prepared any thoughts on this, uh, but we currently have legal sports betting in six states with two more very much on the verge. If I set the line at nine and a half states having legal sports betting on may fourteenth twenty nineteen, are you taking the over or the under, John?
2: Uh, I think I'll go just over. I only need two, so uh, yeah, I, I'll go over
1: okay, so we think we'll we will we will be in double digits at least ten states with legal sports betting on on the one year anniversary, right, okay. Uh, but I'm, I, it looks like you, you you had to think about it a little, so I guess I I, I feel good about the line I said. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, shifting to poker for story number three this week, uh, our own Brian Pempis was the first to get the scoop on a resolution in the Poker Stars versus Gordon Valeo case. Uh, this is a wild one. Long story short, Gordon Veo, uh best known for finishing in second place in the 2016 World Series of Poker main event, won a big tournament on Poker Stars in 2017 for nearly $700,000, but PokerStars wouldn't pay him, alleging that he was playing illegally from California. Veo insisted he was playing legally from Canada and sued for his winnings. Well, he dropped the suit this week after PokerStars alleged that Veo forged documents to prove he was in Canada, and now PokerStars is suing Veo for the $280,000 that they spent on legal fees. It's a wild story, and with this outcome, PokerStars' reputation, uh, at least as it pertains to this case, is restored. John, what does all of this say about the state of geolocation technology, and how badly soiled is Gordon Veo's reputation now?
2: I, I just feel like this guy brought a knife to a gunfight, Eric, uh, frankly. Uh, yeah. Geolocation technology, it not only isn't a fight you 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 can win, but the scary part is how good it is. I mean, Big Brother is watching, resistance is futile, and he ignored <laughs> that. Uh, that's why the Ubers here is astonishing to me. You, you can't bluff and win in a U.S. court of law on a case like this. Uh, the law doesn't fold, and so all the cards get turned over and the better hand wins. And I, I don't know how he comes back from this one.
1: Yeah, you know, I've covered poker off and on for for more than 13 years now. Um, In terms of how he comes back, you know, this is a business that maybe it doesn't forgive, maybe it doesn't forget, but... It gives you a second chance anyway. In almost all cases, uh, Howard Letterer and Chris Ferguson are back to playing World Series events, uh, despite everything that went on with Full Tilt Poker. Many people hate them, uh, but they can go out there and play. Uh, Dutch Boyd was involved in a scandal very early in his career. He moved past it. Same with Justin Bonomo. I think unless you ripped people off directly on the scale of a Russ Hamilton with the Ultimate Bet scandal, life goes on. So. I kind of think Veo will be viewed as a shady guy who shouldn't be trusted, uh, but I do also think he'll continue to play poker. Um, on the geolocation front, I guess that this shows that spoofing IP addresses and playing from illegal jurisdictions is still a problem that these sites need to solve. Um, in the regulated New Jersey industry, for example, you know it's going to be bad news if someone is found to be placing sports bets from California or playing in poker tournaments from Texas. Um, still we can see that the technology is such that poker stars could identify the geolocation after the fact at least. Um so we're we're partway there, maybe even you know most of the way there, 99% of the way there with geolocation, uh, but not all the way. Um and I think that's the biggest part of of this story for the whole online gaming community to watch going forward that uh geolocation can be beaten still, at least temporarily, or at least it could in 2017. That, that's one of my takeaways from this.
2: Uh, yeah, although I, I think that this this is a good uh, a good publicity for for geolocation. I think others who may have thought, oh, I, I'll give it a shot. Uh, this is a little bit uh, humbling. I, so I think uh, so overall it's good for the industry that this uh, this happened and this that that uh, PokerStars won this won this battle in the sense of uh, uh, deterring others from from trying it.
1: Exactly. It should it should discourage people from trying, sort of knowing if you win big. Uh, they're they're you know if 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 you get away with it and manage to play but win big uh they're they're gonna come a- after you and you're not gonna get away with it in the end that seems to be uh the the major takeaway here and hopefully uh we are getting closer and closer to not even being able to uh, spoof the IP address and and get away with anything in the short term.
2: You're a Big Brother fan. Good to hear. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview.
1: If you're an American listener, you might not be familiar with the name PointsBet yet, but you will be soon. PointsBet is a leading Australian bookmaker that is getting set to start operating in New Jersey. They signed both Alan Iverson and Darrell Rivas as brand ambassadors. And now PointsBet has hired Seth Young, formerly of Foxwoods Casino in Connecticut, as their chief innovation officer. And that chief innovation officer joins us now on the podcast. Seth, welcome to Gamble On. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. Uh, so let's start uh, with your personal news, uh, Seth. What was it about points bet that excited you and convinced you to leave Foxwoods?
3: That's a great question. You know, sports betting only gets legalized once in the United States, and it's definitely exciting to be at the tip of the spear. And- If you know me a little bit, you know how much I love Foxwoods. I grew up in New York. I went to school in Boston. I lived there for a number of years. And so Foxwoods was my home casino. Uh, It was definitely a privilege to be able to work there at some place that I love uh, in an executive role. I love the people. I love the Connecticut woods. Um, But I... With that said, I think my departure is really a testament to what's behind PointsBet. PointsBet is filled with super creative, motivated, experienced people. Uh, they're focused on delivering a world-class product market. They own their own tech. Uh, the importance of that can't be understated when it comes to flexibility and adaptability in the market, uh, rapid innovation, addition of new product. Uh, it's built in a modular way to be able to handle multi-tenancy and multi-jurisdictional operations really a great modern platform and not a legacy platform that's been iterated on for years since like the early 2000s, for example, and points betting uh, or spread betting as it's more commonly known, but points betting maybe is the greatest innovation in U S sports betting since daily fantasy sports. Uh, I'm upset that I'm not going to be able to play it since I'm going to be, you know, helping to manage that business, but it's a product, a high risk, high reward product really geared towards the sharp better it's perfect for the U.S. market. Um, honestly, it would be able, a, easier for me to make a list of the things that didn't attract me to points bet uh, than the things that did.
1: Gosh. Gotcha. too many to count. <laughs> and I will have uh, a question for you uh, delving deeper into the the spread betting, points betting concept. But uh, I know John has a, a question he'd like to ask first, so I'll uh, give the floor to you, John.
2: Yeah, I said, that I think, you know, I was in the belly of the beast of the New Jersey sports betting sagas for seven years, so to speak. And so I'm curious about the outlook from the outside as someone who had some interest in this topic over the years, no doubt. Um, did you see across the board legalization uh, that option that we have now as was it inevitable? Did it seem impossible or did you expect it to happen, you know, five or 10 years from now and not so soon? Or what did you expect as the saga went along?
3: Yeah, and I think that before I answer that, on behalf of everybody who wasn't in the belly of the beast doing great reporting like you, thank you for your amazing work. I mean, I'm a fan, right? Um, So the answer that I'm going to give you is the same answer I would have given you 15 years ago when I got into it. It was inevitable. It's always been inevitable. I could never have handicapped it. Uh, I do remember a funny little story. I was at a a University of New Hampshire law school panel with some folks uh, who you you may recognize the names, Will Green. Um, Dan Wallach, Tony Bat, and when they asked the question, I remember Tony Bat saying, "This will never happen in my lifetime," mm. and I laughed. Uh, but it came back to me, and I said, "I think it'll be five years," and it was four years ago, uh, uh-huh. so we're pretty close. Um, I don't know the the internet has always been for me something that's super powerful, and it was always inevitable that it was going to transform the way business was done. Uh, and really now it's funny if you look at it, it's really the last great frontier um, gambling that is regulated gambling that's kind of resisted the Internet. Um, so I think that sports betting is going to be the catalyst for more widespread gaming legalization, um, gaming legalization, that is, uh, once all the hot button political issues are answered and really once those in power legislators um, are able to see that the market uh, is is a lot more valuable. Uh, with the addition of online gaming. Hmm.
1: All right, so so you did uh, bring up on your own there uh, this idea of, of of spread betting, Seth. Uh, this is this is a, a major innovation um, where a bet isn't just win or lose, but the actual amount you win or lose varies depending on how many points you are or aren't off by. Can you explain how this works and and what the player response has been like?
3: Absolutely. So uh, there's a great tutorial up on PointsBet.com about how points betting works. But the basic premise is that it's a high risk, high reward bet. Um, basically, the more the more you're right, the more you win, the more you're wrong, the more you lose. Uh, so an example that I can give you is that let's say you're going to risk $10 on a basketball game and the line is 200 points, the over-under. Uh, if the game totals 220 points and you take the over, you're going to win 20 times your bet. Uh, If it goes to 240 points, you're going to win 40 times your original bet. Conversely, if it goes the other way, you're going to lose that much. Um, So it's it's essentially every unit that it goes over um, the line is a 1x more times your bet that you're going to win or lose. Um, so it's not launched in the United States yet. I anticipate it's going to be extremely popular, uh, just given the fact that we have a lot of people that think they're sharp bettors, myself included, um, that feel like we know sports really well. Uh, so it seems like a lot of fun. Uh, and what I can say is that it's been extremely popular in Australia.
1: is a very crowded market. Okay. And do you think, is it a good thing that, uh, for the player that the sweat on a spread bet doesn't end uh, until the final whistle? Oh, it's
3: amazing. I mean, this is one of those things that keeps you in the game uh, because right. you're going to win or you're going to lose depending on what happens in the last five seconds. Win or lose, more. Uh, it's a it's awesome. I can't wait to see this live.
2: Cool. Yeah, Seth, could you talk about that previous role you had with Foxwoods and uh, what what uh, did you that you learned there what, that you were doing there? How does that translate to this to this new uh, job that you uh... have?
3: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I I was really fortunate to have met a lot of fantastic people and. See a lot of fantastic products really uh, during my time at Foxwoods. And um, there are a lot of really great companies out there in the market. Um, points that really ticked every box for me as a buyer on the casino side, so to speak, um, because of the good people, the good product, common sense business, kind of an everybody wins structure. Um, But really what I learned at at Foxwoods was was the importance of hyper-personalization when you're communicating with your customers. There are so many different kinds of customers that want so many different kinds of experiences. Um, And I I think that's where digital product is trending in many ways, uh, to create this this better personalized experience uh, when you log into a product. But I think I may have taught more about digital product to Foxwoods than I learned about digital product. But what I did learn at Foxwoods uh, in return was the extremely valuable perspective about how a, a brick-and-mortar operation works, the procurement processes, the processes to make decisions, uh, general te- technical infrastructure, organizational development. Um, learning about how to operate a retail environment was eye-opening, having just focused on digital product my entire life. And uh, so it was a great relationship that I had with with the organization um, and really, I learned more than I taught. Uh, and I think because points Bet is inevitably going to be partnering with brick-and-mortar organizations throughout the country, uh, the value that I, I'm bringing from Foxwoods is, is directly translatable to my new role, and I'm, I'm thankful to have had it. All
2: right, great. I, I, one follow-up. I don't. I would be remiss if I didn't ask. Uh, so, so what year does Connecticut get sports betting? Yeah.
3: I think that's going to pass very fast in 2019.
2: Hmm. Maybe one of the first states. Hmm.
1: All right. Well, great stuff, uh, Seth. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thanks uh, so much for coming on the podcast. And, uh, of course, best of luck with, uh, with the new gig. We're excited to see Points bet uh, up and running in the United States.
3: Thank you guys very much, and keep up the fantastic work.
1: All right.
2: Thanks, Seth. Thank you. Two men. men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll.
1: We'll get to the Fast Five shortly, but we start, as always, with our shared bankroll where we pulled out another winning week. Uh, I went back and checked the archives. This makes five winning weeks in a row. Not too shabby. Uh, John went one and one on his college football bets, uh, although this time he put the bigger money behind the wrong bet, uh, a painful failure to cover by Wisconsin in which they had plenty of chances, Uh, costs us $165. uh, But we did win $100 back with Tennessee, uh, your latest underdog pick that came through and won outright. Got to start uh, taking a shot on a money line underdog there, John.
2: Uh, Indeed.
1: (laughs) Uh, Anyway, that one and one split uh, left my overpick in the Ram Seahawks game as the make-or-break game for the week. We needed 51 points to win, and we got 67. I, you know, now that I think about it, I wish, I wish I'd bet that in under a points bet format uh, <laughs> when it really cashed in. Uh, so we turned a profit of $35 for the week, uh, which is enough for the two of us to uh, to go see a movie, uh, though we can't afford popcorn these days um, mm-hmm. for $35. Bucks. Um, in terms of futures bets, nothing too exciting to talk about. Uh, the Browns won, that's good. The Dolphins lost, that's good, but we're still drawing very thin on both of those bets based on their Remaining schedules. Last week's bet at plus 800 on Jared Goff for the passing yards title got off to a good start. He closed the gap on Mahomes. He's now in second place by only 16 yards after putting up 318 yards against Seattle. Anyway, we are now beating the books by $355, and we have 1,670 tied up in futures bets, leaving us 86.85 to bet with this week. And I'm up first. Uh, and I wanted to steal your college football betting routine and put money on Alabama to cover the first half spread against Citadel, since uh, Alabama is 10-0 against the spread in the first half this season. But I can't find a first half line anywhere. I guess uh, the books are are tired of paying on that one. Uh, So instead, I'm going with a sport that I know quite well. Uh, We're a couple of weeks away from the December 1st heavyweight boxing showdown between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury in Los Angeles. Big fight, very interesting fight. My prediction is Wilder by decision. Uh, So I looked it up, and what do you know? Wilder, specifically by decision, is plus 440 at FanDuel. He's like minus 165 to win the fight. But plus 440 to win by decision, I guess uh, most people are expecting a knockout. Um, And with Wilder's power, that's very possible. Uh, But Fury has a lot of guile. He's an awkwardly skilled guy. I think he'll lose most of the rounds but last the distance. So I'm betting $100 to win a nice $440 payout on Wilder winning
2: a decision at the end of 12 rounds uh okay eric uh first off uh apologies on the wisconsin pick um though it was close <laughs> in the end yeah i think i was thinking a quarterback listed as questionable on wednesday is going to play in a big game like that uh but questionable with a concussion uh, i've got to think more about that and realize mm. concussion means uh probably not going to play move on to the next game because uh he might not play and he didn't so uh that's that's on me but uh moving on i lay 110 to win 100 on ohio state Minus fourteen and a half points in Maryland. Uh, the best part about this pick is that the more the Buckeyes win by, I'm thinking a points bet almost, the more the Buckeyes win by, the better the spread we'll get when I pick Michigan over Ohio State next week. And a spoiler alert. <laughs> there you
1: go. Uh, so this week's bet and a preview of next week's bet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, for my next bet, let's do an NFL money line bet. Uh, the Chiefs are plus 144 underdogs against the Rams. Um, I've been more impressed with what I've seen from Kansas City lately than from, with what I've seen from the Rams. Uh, I don't think it matters much that the game has moved from Mexico City to L.A. Yeah, it went from a neutral field to a road game, but I still think the matchup favors KC. I'm putting $100 on them to win outright, even though uh, a gain of $144 will make bankroll calculations more difficult for me going forward. I'm taking that risk, putting $100 on the Chiefs' money line.
2: All right. Uh, staying in the Big Ten, I'm going to go uh, on a mythical trip to Las Vegas to uh, take Rutgers plus 28 at home versus Penn State <laughs> since I can't uh, make that bet here in New Jersey. A college team uh, can't be bet on here uh, if, if they're located in New Jersey or if right. the game is played in New Jersey. So right. the Scarlet Knights are showing a few signs of life. And frankly, Penn State's not dominant enough to give anybody four touchdowns, not even Rutgers. So is that, uh, are we doing 110 That's or are we going up to? Okay. Yeah,
1: no, no, one, no 165s this week, huh? You no, got scared I, off. I did, I did. (laughs) Okay. All right, and we wrap up with the Fast Five. Uh, After Week 9, you were 24, 20, and 1. I was 21, 21, and 3. And we both went 3 and 2 in Week 10. Uh, Our shared picks were both winners, but we each went 1 and 2 on our lone wolf picks. Uh, So you're still in the lead. You're 27, 22, and 1. And I'm over 500 for the first time since Week 1. My record is 24, 23, and 3. And I'm up first this week. And I'm picking nothing but favorites, favorites to cover. That's my theme this week. Um, I won't be making a pick on the Chiefs-Rams game, uh, despite what I said earlier, uh, because we used the opening lines uh, at the Superbook in Las Vegas. And when it opened on a neutral field, the Chiefs were only one-point dogs. Uh, Now they're three or three and a half in most places, and I would bet that. But at plus one, meh, uh, it's not making my fast five. Here's what is making it. First, the Thursday night game. I like the Seahawks at home as two-and-a-half-point favorites over the Packers. I've been kind of down on Seattle all year, saying the bookmakers were overrating them a little. But you can't be too stubborn in the sports betting game. Uh, They've proven that they are a perfectly average team. They're still pretty tough to beat at home if the opponent is nothing special. They're coming off back-to-back losses against elite teams, the Chargers and the Rams, so they need this one. And I see a bit of a letdown coming for the Packers on the road. I like that the line is less than a field goal. Give me Seattle. For my second pick, I was worried last week about picking the Panthers on the road, but I did it anyway, and I came away looking stupid. They lost by, I believe, 31 points. Uh, Well, I'm doing it again because on the road at Detroit is very different than on the road at Pittsburgh. Carolina is favored by three and a half in Detroit. I'd like them to cover. Uh, Speaking of the way that I underestimated the Steelers last week, I'm not making uh, that mistake again. The early line on the Steelers was minus three and a half at the Jags. Uh, I actually bet them a week in advance at minus three. I pounced on this line before it moved at all. Uh, Now it's actually at five and a half, but we're getting it at three and a half here. So give me the Steelers against a Jacksonville team that even with Leonard Fournette back, just can't seem to get it together this season. Uh, Next up, you can't, just can't go wrong betting against the Raiders. Uh, the Cardinals are three and a half point favorites at home against John Gruden's tank brigade. They they've remembered that they're allowed to give the ball to David Johnson. Arizona will cover here. Uh, and by the way, uh, with real money, I locked in a parlay bet a week in advance, anticipating some line moves. I got a Falcons, Steelers, Cardinals money line parlay at plus three thirty nine on FanDuel last Friday. Now, if I made that bet, it only pays plus 225. So uh, good job by me, although it's still a parlay, so I'm still confident that I'm going to end up losing one leg of it. Um, Anyway, for my last pick, I have to do the emotional hedge. I want the Eagles to win. I need the Eagles to win. And under certain circumstances, I could see them upsetting the Saints in a must-win game. However, the Eagles' secondary is decimated. They are playing cornerbacks and safeties off the street, and that is a disastrous recipe against Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. I hate to do it, but I'm taking the Saints at minus 7.
2: All right. Well, Eric, I remember the Titans from last week, and I remember getting <laughs> crunched on that pick. Right. And I also remember that the Colts aren't very good. So Titans minus 3 versus Colts is easy enough for me. Okay. Uh, Texans minus 3 at the Redskins. Uh got a rugged defensive line against a decimated offensive line. And those six and three Redskins never seem to enjoy rarefied air like that. Six and four, six and six—that's a little more their their speed. So uh, I expect them to sink back down to earth again. Uh, I'm taking the Raiders with three Ooh. and a half at the Cardinals, taking okay. you on. All right. It's temp- can be tempting to ignore these terrible games, but uh, I I think the Raiders have just a little bit what I call that dead cat bounce, and this would be this would be the the week to bounce. Um, Saints minus seven versus Eagles. I'm with you there, Drew Brees with the. Uh, compelling knockout punch of the reeling injury plague defending champs. It's uh, it's uh, sad to see, Eric, but uh, it is what it is. And yep. uh, we're we're looking to win games, and that's what, we're, what I think we'll do both do there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, finally, I'm showing a f- little more faith in the Chiefs than you are. Just Even with just the one point against the Rams, I'll take it with the Chiefs. Uh, we both uh, follow these teams closely all year. And while well, the Chiefs have wards too, the, the Rams have more. And Cup is gone for the season now, and uh, uh, that's going to take a little adjusting for the Rams, and I don't think they're ready for it quite just yet.
1: Okay, well, I like the uh, the head-to-head here. This is, a, this is a fun one. This turns an otherwise uninteresting game between uh, the Raiders <laughs> and Cardinals into very high-stakes action uh, on Sunday.
2: <laughs> the game of the week. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> all right, well, that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow U.S. Bets at U.S. underscore Bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple
2: Podcast app. And with that, John, the floor is yours. Please take us out. All right, Eric. Until next time, everybody, gamble on.